Hallelujah. Thankful, thankful to be in the presence of the Lord. And I know it's Thanksgiving week, so there's some already out of town and traveling and going. So we're praying that y'all have safe trips, enjoy their times with their family. It's a great time to do that. And man, we're just glad to be here, though, and hear something from the Lord today. Hebrews 12 and 2, one scripture. You could probably quote it right now without me reading it, but we'll read anyway. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to teach a little bit on this today. Why? I am here. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and mercy, for your word, for your purpose. And God, we just pray today you'll speak to our hearts and encourage us. Lord, just help us to be better serving you and getting ourselves ready for the kingdom. Lord, we praise you for these things. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Give him another hand clap. If you... Appreciate the word of God this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated and God bless you. Now, how many, when I read the title, Why I Am Here, did your brain try to flip it around to, Why am I here? It's, uh, yeah, you see, people, that it happens because that's it. It's that question that bugs us, that bothers us, is the, the, why am I here? What am I doing here? What's my purpose? What, you know, and, and it's that question that gets us, but uh, what I understand is this, is that the Lord created us with purpose. And as a child of God, I need to not be so worried so much about why am I here, but why I am here. Yo, know, the Lord said, I am. He didn't say, am I? Who's, who, who do I tell him sent me? Tell him I am sent you. Not am I. And uh, the Lord was making a statement. And when we say why I am here, that's us. We're either declaring a purpose, uh, you know, for our life. And, and uh, we, we need to know that I have something to do in the world something to do in the kingdom, that's a fact. Every believer, every child of God, every saint, every person called, he, he called us for a reason. He, we always hear people say, if he calls you, he'll equip you. And well, you know, Why don't we think he just called us to, to do nothing? Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Do you think that there were times that uh, on that three, three and a half year journey of the miraculous did the disciples ever go, talking among themselves, maybe the brothers that had left their father's business and, wow, what are we doing here? But then they would see blinded eyes open. You know, they would see deaf ears unstopped, devils cast out, multitudes fed, people risen from the dead, and then they realized, this is why I am here. And then when he sent them out two by two and they began to do the things that uh, he had taught them and they were preaching and they come back rejoicing the 70 or oh, even the devils are subject to us through your name and we're, you know, we're healing the sick and we're 
preaching the gospel. And, and they realized that those cold nights out in the desert, the, the times that they were despised, the times that things went on that they didn't like, there was a reason for all of it because the Lord's got a purpose for everything. And Jesus would have understood that more than anybody and would example those things. The scripture says the things he did uh, while he was here that were for an example for us. And, and so uh, the writer in Hebrews, after a great chapter on faith, was just continued to write, because you know, for us it's broken down in chapters, but uh, you know, no chapters in the original writings. It was just uh, him writing that, that letter, that epistle. But uh, he, then he makes this point after all this uh, great cloud of witnesses and things going on. He says, we need to be looking at Jesus. Because he's the author and the finisher of our faith. And, and concerning him, there was joy that was set before him. So he endures the cross and despises the shame and he's, he's rewarded. He's set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so after all the miracles, signs, wonders, and the love that Jesus had shown during three and a half years of his open ministry, you look back at his life and you see him in the garden just before his arrest, and he's praying, and he's, he's crying out, and he's like, you know, if it is possible, just let this cup pass. But if the only way it will pass is if I drink it, well, and he said, thy will be done. Jesus understood that he had purpose. And so he did not ever, you'll never have him or read him record saying, what am I doing here? He knew while he was here. He, he said in John 18, 37, he was talking to Pilate, he said, to this end was I born. He knew uh, that all this stuff that was happening to him was already written. This was supposed to come to pass. He had a purpose for being here. And in Matthew 26 and 54, after Peter had uh, cut off the high priest's service ear and the Lord told him, put your sword up, he said, uh, don't you know, he said, if if I needed it, I could call angels and they would come and deliver me from this. But he says, but how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that uh, thus it must be? He said, in other words, if I am delivered from this, how can things that are written for me be fulfilled? And so he knew I've got purpose here. And sometimes we uh, find ourselves in places where uh, maybe we don't want to be. Maybe we would like it to be better but understand that even in those places, God's got a reason for you being there. And uh, the Lord knew that there's joy on the other side of this. I don't, in, I don't enjoy uh, being arrested. I don't enjoy the mockery and the beating and uh, the nailing to the cross. I don't enjoy that, but there is joy on the other side of this. And somebody's got to do what I'm doing. And, and it was the same way for his disciples. We've, somebody's got to do this. We need to not be so concerned with the question because uh, that, that question oftentimes never gets answered until you realize you have purpose. And a, and a question without an answer will stop you. If you don't, a lot of times, if we don't have the answer, we don't go further. And it's in anything. You'll where do you want me to go? If there's no answer, well, we don't go anywhere. You know, but if we can see we have purpose, then we flip it around. We don't say, Lord, why am I here? Oh, crickets, great. I guess I won't do anything. But when we understand we have purpose, then we 
change two words from am I to I am. Why am I here? To why I am here. And why I'm here, I'm going to work. I'm going to do. Uh, while I am, we, 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 we've heard it all preached before, you know, while I'm uh, waiting on the door to open, I'll praise him in the hallway. You know, we've, we've talked about that, heard that sung and preached and everything. And so we talk about, uh, I'm not just going to sit here twiddling my thumbs. I'm not just going to stop because I don't understand. Because sure, there's a question uh, that we all have. What's my purpose, Lord? What, what am I going to do? Peter was even asking if, about other people. What's this guy going to do when he saw John walking off on the Lord? Mind your own business, Peter. What's that to you? You, know, you just follow me. You just keep doing what I called you to do. But don't let the question stop you from your purpose. Because you know, uh, when Jesus prayed in the garden, I don't hear a reply. He just says, I'll pray, then I'll resolve it myself. If it won't pass except I drink it, your will be done. And so when he never heard a, a, a voice saying, oh, no, you're going to keep going, you're going to keep doing it, he just knew, I've got a reason. I know why I'm here. It's not a mistake. And so uh, it isn't about why am I here, but it's about why I am here. Why? I am here. God called me. We've got to start having some confidence in the Lord. Hello? Moses was me. You know, I stutter. I can't. You know, me? I didn't make a mistake. I didn't pick the wrong burning bush. I'm not on the wrong side of the mountain. Yeah, you. Abraham. You. Yeah, you. Noah. Yeah, yeah, you. Yeah, you see all these people, he just is like, he's just random. No, he knew what he was doing when he picked them. He knew who they were. Why Rahab? Why does Rahab, why, how, you figure, look, she, surely she was like, why am I here? But it's why you're here. And you're here to save these spies' life. You're here so that you can have, show faith. You're here so that you can end up in the, the genealogy of the Christ. His purpose that the Lord has for us. And we need to recognize that and, and stop uh, doting on the question and start living in the statement. Why I'm here, I'm going to be about my father's business. I, I know we do wonder why, but, but we, you have to, I've said this before, you have to always remember there is a why. I don't have to know why, I just have to know there is a why. And that's what I understand about God. Because I could be the same way. I could say the same thing. Why did he call me? Well, you know, I don't know, but there is a why. And so why I am here, I'm going to be doing everything. I ain't just talking about in here. I'm talking about while I'm here, while I have breath, while I have existence. I'm going to be doing what he wants me to do. I'm going to remember that uh, wherever I am, I have a purpose. You think, and you can say all day long, not me. Well, God didn't wash you and forgive you and fill you with the Holy Ghost by mistake. Mm -mm. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. He didn't make a mistake when he gave you that gift. 
didn't make a mistake when he gave you that anointing. He knew what he was doing. And so whether we fully understand or know the whole picture or not, we can find confidence. That's why we can be strong in the Lord and we can have confidence and do what he's called us to do because we know he called. He didn't show us. Jake was talking about this, I believe, in his message when the Lord talked about a lamp and a light or maybe in prayer the other night. But that light gives you enough just to see the next step sometimes. But, but our confidence is in that he orders our steps. And so I, I, can, I can know that every step I take, he ordered it. God ordered that step. I'm walking in the steps he ordered. And if I fall, then I fall. I don't have to go, you must have made a mistake, I fell. He already said, though a good man fall, he's not utterly cast down. I, I called you knowing that you're going to trip, you're going to slip, you're going to fall. But will you have enough confidence that it was me that called you that you'll take my hand, that you'll reach up for the help that'll pick you back up and get you going, get you moving, get you in the right place. We've got to have confidence in God. In uh, Proverbs 20 and 24, it says that a man's goings are of the Lord. So how can a man then understand his own way? That's where we find ourselves. Lord, I just, I don't understand. But then you go back to the first part of the scripture. But the Lord knows. Even Job said, I can't see what God's doing, but I know he knows the way I take because he orders my steps. And so when I can't understand my own way, I do know that God knows what I'm supposed to be doing and God knows what I, where I'm going. God knows where I'll end up. He sees it all. He knows where I'll be. And so my, my goings are of the Lord in Romans 9, 20 and 21. We know that you know, God's the potter, we're the clay. Look how good God creates. Man, there's nothing like it. You, you see, uh, even in the beginning, the way he designed things, designed trees and, and fruit and things with seeds so it would always reproduce and you'd always have it. It'd never run out. It'd keep going. Our bodies designed so they will, they're created in his image, number one, self-heal, be better. I mean, just intelligence things. What a, what a creator he is, a, a designer the potter, working a work on the potter's wheel. And so when we start questioning, why am I here? Lord, why am I here? Then we're questioning his judgment. Hey, yo, he says, nay. You get serious when you start saying nay. That's, that's really, nay. But oh man, who are you that replies against God? Shall the thing formed? Say to him that formed it, why have you made me thus? He makes us, and I know that we make mistakes. I know that there are things that we add to our life, but sometimes he makes us, and he knows that there's little imperfections there, that we're not, that, we, that there's struggles there, that there's thorns sometimes, but God knows all that. He says, I, I could take all that if I didn't think you could still Use it for the kingdom. So he says, doesn't the potter have power over the clay of the same lump? He can make one vessel unto honor, another dishonor. Can't the potter do what he wants to do with the clay? 
See, sometimes we fall out with God because we don't like what he made. But God made it. And the Bible says, and God sets members in the body as he sees fit. And so if we could learn, I'm not talking about being complacent, but when we can learn to be satisfied with where God places us. Because he said, I'm going to put you where you will be most effective for my kingdom. You know, he, he didn't put this thumb growing out of the side of your head. He ain't got no purpose there. He ain't got no foot hanging off your forehead. Why? There ain't no reason for it to be there. He said, I know where to put things. So it gives you balance so you can walk, so you can move. I know how to put things so you can pick things up and use. I, I know how to put the eye. It's a good thing he didn't put one eye over here, one eye over here. He'd be walking like this. You know, he said, I know right where to put everything so it works the best that it'll be. And in every person, in every saint, in every country, in every church, in every city, everywhere that he's placing people, he's putting the right people in the right place so the right work can get done. I had never even heard of Winterville, Georgia until the Lord was in my life. And I, even after I heard of it, I never thought about pastoring a church here. Never crossed my mind. But God kept moving things and moving things, directing things and ordering my steps. And here we are. And it's worth it because it was his purpose. And let me tell you, if you ever want to uh, think, to ask the question, why am I here? Just start pastoring a church. Because there's plenty of things that happen every single day that make you want to say, why am I here? But then I think back to, because you sent me here, so I know why I am here. And so I turn the question around. I, turn the, uh, I go from the am I to the I am. And I believe that God's got a purpose in um, Philippians 2, no, no, I'm sorry, not that, but in Psalm 139 and 14, the psalmist said, I will praise you. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and marvelous are your works and that my soul knoweth right well. Now, this psalmist, he knew something. He said, I know, he's not being egotistical, proud and lifted up he's giving God the glory for what God made it's not being an egomaniac to praise God for what he made to appreciate yourself and what God gave you and what God's done in you and the psalm said I am fearfully and wonderfully made and your works are marvelous God and this is something that I know deep down in my soul I know that you called me. I heard your voice. You washed my sins away. You filled me with the Holy Ghost. And, and regardless of what else is going on, you know what you're doing. You can never, ever make the statement, God, you just don't know what you're doing with me. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. 
He knows how to make vessels. He knows how to form us, how to, how to do those things. And we, so we've got to learn to trust him in his design. And not just that he's uh, his design, but then in his purpose for each thing. We, we, Jeremiah 29, 11, we love it. We would take it off our hand towels and put it in our heart. <laughs> for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. I've got things that I think about. Thoughts of peace, not evil, to give you an expected end. That's purpose. If we want to get a little more recent, we could go to Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. That means wherever you are is on purpose. And it has a purpose. And you were called especially to and for that purpose. You hear me? Stop questioning God and start believing God that God knows exactly what he's doing with my life. That he did not make a mistake with me. That he knows what he's doing with me. He's put me right where I need to be for a purpose. All things work together. Of course, this is natural. It happens. People leave this world. I never thought I would leave the church in Milstead. I felt like the Lord would come back before Brother Ebhart would die, and I was going to be right there beside him. I loved that man, and I loved that church, and I thought, man, I'm going to be right here with him until the Lord comes, and then the Lord took him. But maybe he had to... Go ahead and take him so that others could go and fulfill what they had to do because that started, that's what got me on the path to here. Because if he was still alive, I'd still be there. And I would, would know only a handful of you that are in this room today. All things, heartbreaking things, tragic things, good things, it all works for our good because God's got a purpose and God says, here's the pieces and I've got them in play and I know what they're going to do and I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the author and the finisher. I know what's going to happen. And so wherever you are, remember, it's on purpose and it has a purpose and you were called especially to and for purpose. Philippians 2 and 13 says it like this, for it is God, you just need to tell yourself that. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God is using you for his purpose. And we miss it and sit still on it and let it just die in our arms because we're so we're hugging that question so tight why am I here instead of saying why I am here I believe there's a reason why I am here and so uh, sure there, uh, the question's there but uh, we don't need to die on the heel of the question oh why am I here why am I here oh quit whining and just understand, God has got a reason. It is 
God who is working. God who's ordering. God who's molding. God who's shaping. God who breathes life. God who forgives sin. Come on. Everything that, that moves us, it's God. For the scripture says, for in him we live and we move and we have our being. Mm. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. This is, this is going to get you out of the miry clay. <laughs> the miry clay is where the question lives. Because when we're stuck, <laughs> why am I here? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew why they were in the furnace. They knew that if they were there, then God let it happen. So they were crying. How did I end up here? Daniel wasn't whining about, well, why am I here? He knew if it happened, God let it happen. And whatever goes on, all things work together for our good. It worked, it worked for their good. It didn't stop. He's the Lord. He doesn't change. It'll work for our good. But I don't want to be here. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Joseph didn't want to be where he was. When he was in the prison, he told that butler, he said, man, when you get out of here and things are going, he said, remember me and get me out of this place. But God had to put him there. He couldn't stay. Listen, Joseph couldn't stay home with daddy. Man, his daddy loved him, gave him that coat of many colors. He loved his dad. He had dreams. He knew that God had a purpose for him. Something was going to go on. But he winds up uh, with his brothers hating him. They throw him in a pit. They sell him into slavery. He's took off to another land. So now he's just trying to make the best of things. He gets lied on, thrown into prison. They forget about him. He's just, but God had to put him, every step was just leading him to that palace and that position and that power and that place to save, as he said, many people alive. He thought it was for evil. I felt like it was evil. But then I realized God did it for good. When I knew it, that I, was, I had to go through all that so I could save my daddy and save my family and save my people, I'd do it again. Don't you know Joseph would have said, I'll go through every bit of it again if it means that I can be the instrument to save my people. And so whenever we submit, oh, make me a vessel, Lord. Careful, careful, careful. Because he might not put lemonade in you or sweet tea. He might, he might put some nitroglycerin or something and say, you don't know what. You don't know what he might use you for. But just know that it's him that's doing it. it, is, it you know, I think about David. Make sure I'm watching the clock here. I think about old, old David. Man, he gets called one day. He's sitting out in the field. How many years he had been watching sheep? I don't know. I mean, how long? When they start teaching them kids that probably just as when they're old enough to walk. Okay, get out there and watch that sheep. I mean, I don't know. But he's watching sheep one day. Here comes a guy running out to me. David, you got to get to the house, man. There's a prophet here. He wants to see you. He, he ain't even going to sit down until you get there. So come on, hurry up, man. So he gets in there. The Lord says, this is the one. This is the king right here. This is the man after my own heart. And so 
Samuel gets up and it says he, he anointed him in the midst of his brethren. Everybody saw it. It's there. He's anointed to be the king. And it says so Samuel got up and left. There's no, oh, I'll get with you next week. God, we'll, we'll get together and talk about what just happened. You know where David goes? Back to the field. Back to watching sheep. And I thought about all the years that David was out there. They, I wonder if David went back and he sat down and he's, man, this is a, a mess right here. Oil all over me. Guess I'll wait and see if an angel shows up to tell me something. Or That's all he's hearing. Sheep, 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 sheep. David's got a lot of time on his hands. I think about how did David get so good with a sling? He didn't just all of a sudden decide one day, I'm going to be a giant killer. I doubt he ever thought he would see a giant in real life. But, he, you know, he, he, you know how long a day is when you're at work at your job and you're busy? Think about just sitting on a hill watching sheep. Hot. All day. Time just, no clocks either, so you're just like, how long's the sun been up? You know, just sitting there. So I'm, I'm sure he's picking up rocks, getting better every day. He's playing. How did, how did David get, learn to play music? He's watching sheep, but he's out there in the field picking that harp, writing psalms, writing songs. And then one day, the king, Saul, is all jacked up because this evil spirit's come on him. And the guy says, hey, I know a guy, son of Jesse. Man, he can play. He can say, he's got, he's, the spirit of the Lord's with him. So he call that. David comes in and starts playing that music that he's been practicing out there in that field. God knew what he was doing with David. And it would drive that evil spirit off. And so it, it, Saul liked him so good, he said, you're going to stay and be my armor bearer. So now David's like, wow, I'm an armor bearer. But then there's a battle coming up, so he sends him home because he's a young kid. Go back home, stay with your dad. So he's back out watching the sheep. His dad tells him, go, go check the battle out. But he gets to the battle. He sees one man stopping a whole army. He says, no, nah, this ain't going to happen. Just fast forward. You know how it is. David runs, gets five smooth stones. Wow. You think David ever thought, I'm going to be killing giants while I'm sitting out here in the heat throwing rocks at trees and other things no but God knew what he was doing and after he was anointed and dripping with oil maybe he said if I'm the king why am I here or maybe he just trusted enough that hey God knows what he's doing so while I am here I'm just going to keep doing what I know to do because if, if this is for real God will call me out here one day it'll happen it'll all unfold and it did and he did sit on the throne, uh, king of Judah and then king of Israel. In 40 years total, he, he uh, was king over those people. It happened. But there was a purpose for everything in David's life. And so when we think, I don't want to be here, we need to ask ourselves, is it more about where I want to be? Or do I want to be where God needs me to be? Because if, if we get to choose, we're going we're to pick the, the easy road. 
in the, uh, but we need tribulation because it works patience. And patience, experience, experience, hope, and hope maketh not ashamed. We may want it to pass, but ultimately where he needs me to be is where I want to be. I want to be where God wants me because just like Jesus, there was joy on the other side of the cross. Loving and trusting God makes it possible to bear it. Whatever you're going through, even embrace it. Remember we talked about trust over deliverance a couple of weeks ago. That I will trust God no matter what's going my way. I'm going to trust him. So when we learn to, we, oh, I love God. Yeah, great. I'm glad we love him, but do you trust him? Do you trust him, not with just what he's doing, but, but that he made the right decision when it comes to you? Because we're all oh, big about celebrating everybody else. Okay, man, you're doing good. Boy, he's really called. He's really anointed. They can really sing. They can really play. They can really teach. Oh, they're a great missionary. But we're so, I'm just a little nothing. I'm, you know. Yeah, I'm probably part of the body, but I'm just probably like, you know, the little toe or something. I'm probably a nose hair. I don't know. I don't know. You, you, oh, we just belittle ourselves. You know, like, and, and God's like, I shed blood for every one of you. I put my spirit in every one of you. I knew who you were. I knew what you'll do. And yet I gave you all that anyway because I know what I want to do with you. I've got to trust God that uh, I am right where I am supposed to be. No matter what gifting he gave me, he gave it to me for here. For here. And so I need to make sure that I am trusting God. Oh, everybody wants to be better. I want to be better. The Lord knows if there's anything I ask him in every prayer, help me to be better. Better at preaching, better pastor, better person, a better husband, a better father, a better friend. I want to be better in every aspect of my life. Lord, I want to be better. Help me to be the best I can be for your people because you called me to shepherd people and so help me to be the best for people because that's what matters so when we get these trials and tests oh why am I here because it's where you're supposed to be Peter said this First Peter 4 and 12 he said beloved think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you but rejoice Inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings of the purpose, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. There's joy on the other side of that trial. He said, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, and happy are ye for the spirit of glory and of God, it resteth upon you. On their part, he's evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, thief, evildoer, busybody, and other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Even in my trial, I have to just continue on because people will eventually end up glorifying God 
over what they see him doing. And I want them to see me standing. Listen, fiery trials don't put your light out. And they don't. And so they should not prevent our good works either. We should still be doing those good works. I think of Paul and Silas preaching the gospel. In Acts 16, you'll read how that they were taken and beaten with many stripes and chains put on and thrown into the innermost part of the prison and there they are. And man, they could have just been, well, we really made a mistake preaching this gospel. They could have been saying, why am I here? But when they start praying and praising and singing, it says all the other prisoners around could hear them. And maybe it begins to give other people hope that, hey, this ain't the end for me. But if there's nobody else in that prison praying or praising, who's going to do it? Sometimes God's got to use us in places maybe we don't particularly want to be, but as they're doing that, there's a great earthquake, great shaking. Doors fly open, chains fall off. And it was just common sense that everybody should be gone. But they didn't run because they trusted God that if we ended up here, and he ends, yeah, the door's open, but I ain't heard anybody say leave. We're going to stay right here and see what God's going to do with our imprisonment. And you know what he did? He saved the man. The jailer, it says this about him start in, uh, in verse 28. Um, let's see, in Acts 28. Uh, the, the jailer thought everybody's gone. He's going to kill himself. And Paul said, don't hurt yourself. We're all here. He calls for a light. He's, he comes in. He's trembling, falls down before Paul and Silas, brought them out and said, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour that night, washed their stripes, and then he was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. So it wasn't about the miraculous or the earthquake, not even the praise and prayer service. The greatest miracle was that people were saved, but they were saved because two vessels were fine with being put in prison, knowing that God had a purpose for them being there. Who else is going to ever preach to this jailer? He was saved by two men that may have been saying, why are we here? But soon they realized while we are here. They didn't run. It was expected. And he, the jailer thought it had already happened. And this is where we fit in right here. The world needs to see people be where they are supposed to be and not run in times of trouble. People don't just need to see us jumping and flipping all the time. They need to see us in the middle of trials and tests Still praising God. How will anybody know what God can do if we never go through anything at all? How, how will they know God can heal the sick if nobody ever gets sick? 
How will they know that God can uh, you know, get rid of addictions if there's never anybody addicted? Hello? It's got to happen. It's going to happen. And we need to realize that God's got a reason. Couldn't there have been another way for Paul to stop? Not, not if what was going to happen was going to happen. This jailer needed Paul and Silas. He needed to see what, you know, no doubt he had heard about people preaching out in the street, but this is where he worked. This was his life. He needed to have somebody come into his living room. He needed to see somebody. Prisoners are normally sad and crying and begging for mercy, and these guys are praising God with blood flowing down their back. And so I, he needed to see somebody that could come into where it was most miserable Still say, God loves you. With the cuts, bruises, stripes on their backs, they preached about God. And this man and his house were baptized and saved. And when they see you in the evidence of your trial, it's staring them in the face, but you just let that light shine anyway. That's what's going to make the difference. They know, they and you both know then why you are there. And Paul and Silas had purpose. They suffered, but not without cause and not without results. Whatever you're going through is not without cause and it won't be without results. God has a purpose for every bit of it. If that scripture is true, that all things work together for good, then, then it, there's a reason and it's going to bear fruit. It's gonna be, there's going to be results. In Hebrews chapter 4, and I'm getting ready to close, darling, if you want to come. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. We started out talking about Jesus. We'll end up talking about him. It said, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Listen, if Jesus experienced us, he was tempted in all points as we, we are. If he experienced us, then we're going to experience him because we're, the scripture says we are a royal priesthood. He's our high priest. We're a royal priesthood. And we're going to go through the things that he went through. But we've got to, like him, be obedient and just know there's a reason why I'm here. There's a purpose for me being in this place right now. There's a purpose for it. There was a purpose for it, Jesus, while you were praying in that garden. I'm a, he knows. You were praying you sweat became like great drops of blood and you were in agony as you prayed but there was a reason for that it saved me it saved me Lord many others but it saved me and I know that you don't make mistakes and you don't make throwaways and you don't make junk and there's no you know sometimes places will be they, they'll make well no this is a little off so we'll just put it in a scrap pile but God never, God don't have a scrap pile. He pulls from the scrap pile. He said it takes us out of the dust and out of the dunghill and sets us among princes. He, he takes us from the worst places and puts us in the best places because he knows what he's doing. 
You know why he takes us out of those terrible places sometimes? Because we're going to have to help somebody who's in those terrible places. He took me out of the dust so I could help people that are still in the dust. He took me out of the dung hill so I could help people that's still stuck in the mess of this life. He, he, he called me out of bars and clubs and, and crazy living so I could help people who are stuck there now. I have prayed many times, God, I wish I never would have had to go through that. I wish I had never done that. He's like, I know. But how could you tell anybody of truth that I could deliver them from that if you hadn't experienced it? How can you preach to people and, you know, you can't preach to people like you've never had nothing wrong in your life. You've had it. That's all right. Because that's gone. When I say, Lord, why am I here? It's like I'm questioning his gift of salvation. I'm, I'm questioning my new birth, all this. You know, because he knows exactly what he's doing with me. So let's stand together. We have a place to go to in our times of trouble. We can go to that throne and find help. We can go to that throne and be encouraged. But I don't ever have to question why am I here? I just need to say why I am here. We've got to shift our focus. Flip it around. Not am I, but I am. I want to be like him. I'm not the, the I am, but I am his. I am He's, it works together for those who are the called. I am the called. God called me. I heard it. He called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. I know I heard the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues come out of my body. I heard the Spirit of God. I know that I have been born again. I know who I am in him. And the greatest thing is that I am his. And he's going to put me right where I need to be. So it's not wrong to ask because he knows we will. But as you wait for an answer, you need to start saying, but why or while I am here, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep praising. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep laboring because your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That's scripture. So you, you're going to work with questions sometimes, but don't let the question stop you from being exactly what God called you to be. Yeah, that's why you're here. Why I am here. You know why you're here? Because God ordered it. And God don't make mistakes. Let's lift our hands and pray together. Lord, we love you. Praise you this morning. We thank you for such goodness and mercy, God. Oh, and just the privilege of being your church, being your bride, being vessels, being members of a body. And Lord, we believe you have set us in order as you see fit. We believe you placed us right where we will work best. So now, Lord, let us labor. As Paul said, let us labor more fervently than anybody. Let's just let us labor, and to, Lord, to do the things of the kingdom now. God, let us trust you, trust your call, we praise you for it. We thank you for all of it. We simply just ask these things in Jesus' name.
Everyone said amen. Give him a hand clap of praise. And you ought to just thank God right now. Just say thank you for what you made me. And thank you for where you placed me. Because God don't make any mistakes. God bless you. Let's find a place to pray before the next service.